God is good. And all the time. God is good. Man. He's better than we think he is. Did you know that God loves you? (laughs) Did you know that as much as God loves Jesus, he loves you? Amen. Did you know that there's nothing that you can do to make God love you any less? Did you know that there's nothing you can do to make God love you any more? Because he's love. And his love is self-sacrificial. His love is agape love. Amen. He loves risky. He loves even if people don't love him back. Amen. But he loves you with an everlasting love. And that's something that we have to embrace down deep at our core, that he is good at all times and that he loves us more than our bodies can even handle in our human form. Amen. He loves you. 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 Someone say, God loves me. (laughs) Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. I I saw this uh, funny meme, and it was one of those Christian memes where it was like, you know, like you said, it was like this lady screaming at the preacher, you said that 2023 was going to be a great year. And the preacher's like, I told you to tell your neighbor that 2023 was going to be a good year. (laughs) Tell your neighbor that uh, the rest of 2023 is going to be awesome. (laughs) God is good. God is good. Well, uh, today I asked the Lord, what, what is it that you want us to talk about? And he said, let's talk about unshakable faith. Unshakable faith. Amen. Ha ha ha. Thank you, Lord. Oh, but you're here. Someone say, oh, but you're here. Lord, we just ask, Father, that your presence would permeate every part of this atmosphere, that your presence would permeate our minds, our hearts, our souls, our bodies. Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit, Lord, that you would uh, download and impart what only you can download and impart. Lord, I pray that you would anoint uh, this message, my words, Lord, let it be your words and not mine. Lord, and I pray that you would anoint the, the eyes and the ears and the hearts and the minds and the spirits of the people to hear what it is that you're speaking to each one. And we just thank you so much for it, Lord. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So I heard this pickup line, girl, is your name Faith? Because you look like the substance of things hoped for. (laughs) I I say, don't don't try that one. (laughs) So the first scripture is Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So let's talk about what is faith. Faith is a substance, okay? Faith is a noun. Faith is a thing. Faith is not something that you have to do. Faith is not something that you have to strive for. Faith is not something that you have to muster up, amen? Faith comes from God. The scripture says that God gave to each one a measure of faith. Each one. How many of you are each one? How many of you have a measure of faith? Amen, hallelujah. It also says that faith is a fruit of the Spirit, Okay, faith is a fruit of the spirit. So how do we get fruit of the spirit? By hanging out with Holy Spirit through intimacy, by being in his presence. And then the fruit just comes out. Does this make sense? We're not striving for fruit. We're not going, oh, I got to muster up some faith for this. It also says that the that faith is a gift of the spirit. Amen. How many of you have to work hard to receive a gift? Nobody. (laughs) How many of you have to work hard to receive fruit? Nobody. Faith is not the product of striving or the result of determination. It's not something you choose out of self-will. Faith is the product of surrender. Someone say surrender. You were born for great faith. You were designed for it, and you already have it. Someone say, I already have it. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is not hype. It is something that we receive from the Lord, okay? Now, the question is, are we going to operate in that faith, or are we going to operate in our carnal mind, in the natural things, and by what we see, taste, hear, smell, and touch? That's really where the war is. That really where the battle, where the battle is, Amen. Okay, so how do we get faith? Romans 12, 3 says you already have it. Someone say, I already have it. 
<laughs> the faith is always there from the Lord. The question is, are you going to operate in it and believe, or are you going to believe the other things that come at you? Amen? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God in Romans 10, 17. In other words, you hear the gospel, and when you heard the gospel, something rose up inside of you, and you received the faith to then believe on Christ and become a Christian. Does this make sense? So the same way that you believed the gospel and received salvation is the same way that you grow in the things of the spirit. It's the same way you receive healing. It's the same way you receive deliverance is by believing the good news. Amen? And you receive it by faith. Okay? It's not a greater measure of faith that you need to receive healing. It's not a greater measure of faith that you need to cast out demons or to be set free from demons. Does this make sense? The entry point, salvation, is all that you need. Okay? We already talked about this. What is the definition of salvation in the Greek? It is the word sozo, which means saved, healed, and delivered. Does this make sense? So the same faith, how many of you question whether or not you're saved? If you've been through our grace class, that should not be a question for you, okay? Um, the same way that you receive Jesus and that you believe you're a Christian, okay? Do you realize that you already have dead-raising faith inside of you? <laughs> do, you do you realize that if you are a saved, born-again believer, that means you believe that the dead can be raised because Jesus raised from the dead, Amen. You have dead, raising faith living on the inside of you. You already have it. You already have it. Amen? Amen. <laughs> All right. You already have it. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you already have it. So let's get pumped. You are victorious. <laughs> you possess the healing power of Jesus inside of you. Okay? Now, oftentimes, when it comes to salvation, we understand that we receive salvation. The qualification for you to receive salvation is what? What's the, what, why, what qualifies you to receive salvation? That you need it. That you're broken. That you're sinful. Amen? That you realize your need of a Savior. Okay? So, what is it that qualifies you for healing? That you need it. What is it that qualifies you for freedom? that you need it, okay? It is the same faith. It's the same thing. You don't have to muster up something more, okay? You already have it, so get pumped. You're victorious. You possess the healing power of Jesus inside of you. Some people will tell you, be like the woman with the issue of blood. If you need healing, just touch the hem of his garment. If you could just touch the hem of his garment, and so people are trying so hard to touch the hem of his garment, except that now Jesus died, raised from the dead. We were raised up with him. He went to heaven, gave us Holy Spirit. So now that dead raising spirit is inside of us. The power of God is inside of us. Amen. So what should happen is that people should touch the hem of your garment and get healed because you are one with Christ. Amen. Because Jesus is living and alive and inside of you. Amen. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. Amen. So you are not the sick just trying desperately to get healed. You are the healed that is healing the sick. And that's the truth. That is who you are. Amen? Amen? It is a faith that you already possess. It's a faith that you already possess. Stop waiting for the victory and start walking in the victory that you already have. Amen? Amen. You are a world changer. Someone say, I'm a world changer. <laughs> he said, you go heal the sick. You go raise the dead. Amen? Now, all of that power comes from Christ in me. I don't have the power to do anything within myself. But what Jesus did on the cross, his blood is enough. Amen? His blood is more than enough. Did you know that his blood was an overpayment? Amen? It's like we owed $10,000 and he paid a million. Does this make sense? He's an overpayment. Hallelujah. All right. So here is the thing. This is how faith works, okay? Faith is a noun. Someone say faith is a noun. Okay? Unbelief is also a noun. Unbelief is also a noun, okay? The word says that faith is like a seed. It says faith is like a mustard seed. Does this make sense? Okay? So what happens is that we are cultivating a garden within us. Okay, the cultivation of that garden is that process of mind renewal. 
okay? We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to the fleshly carnal mind where everything exists that we see, hear, smell, taste, and touch. Everything is just on the natural realm, and that's the only thing that, that we process ever. It says, do not be conformed to that, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Does this make sense? So you are constantly renewing your mind to the truth of who you already are. You are not trying to become a son of God. You are not trying to become Christ in me. You already are, but you're in a process of renewing your mind to that truth so that you then walk out that victory in your everyday life. Does this make sense? Mind renewal is very, very important, okay? Mind renewal is how we cultivate that garden within us. Now, how many of you know the parable of the seed and the sower? The parable of the seed and the sower, where there was a sower that went by and he sowed seed, and some of the seed fell on good soil, and some of the seed fell by the side of the road and got snatched up. Some of it fell, and then it didn't go deep into the soil, so then when the sun came, it, it fell over, and um, some of it fell on rocks, and so it didn't take root at all, okay? Now, what is it that Jesus said the seed represents? The word of God, okay? So he plants a seed. What does the soil represent? Our hearts, okay? So he plants a seed in our hearts. And this is the faith we already have, the word of God that's living inside of us. But what also happens at the same time is that the devil plants weeds and thorns, okay? What does he say that the weeds and thorns represent? The cares of this world and worries. Okay, all right, the cares of this world and worries, and it chokes out the word of God. So the word of God gets planted into the soil of our hearts, but weeds are also planted and the two grow up together. So the problem is not that you are faithless, it's that you have to weed out the lies of the enemy. Amen? God says something, so then we have that word down in the soil of our heart, but then we have this other idea that we kind of want to do. We face a challenge. We experience disappointment. We get criticism from people. We have this comparison in our mind. We have this obstacle rise up, and now those things are all competing for the same nutrients. They're all competing for your attention. They're competing for the water. They're competing for the nutrients in the soil. They're competing for the sun. Some of those weeds will even grow up and overshadow the plant so that they can't receive the sun. Does this make sense? Okay. So the problem is actually not that you're faithless. The problem is what are you focusing on and are you weeding your garden? Amen? <laughs> the problem is that you can have more than one seed growing in your garden. Okay? It's not that you are faithless. It's that there's a presence of unbelief amongst the seed. Okay? So we need to uproot the weeds. So what lies are you believing? What needs to be weeded out of your garden? What lies are you believing? That is one of my number one prayers that I pray is I ask the Lord, Lord, what lies am I believing right now? And I can tell you if there's ever a time, and I just, I felt this by the spirit too. I feel like there's been people that have maybe struggled with dark times, maybe some depression or loneliness or just hopelessness. I don't know what it is, um, but the Lord just showed me there's people going through dark times. I'm trying not to make eye contact with anybody. <laughs> I don't know who they are, um, but he was just showing me there's people going through some really dark times right now. Okay, um, when you're going through dark times, you know, when it's like you're, you're overcome by emotion and you're overwhelmed, when you are experiencing anything other than glistening hope, it is because you are under the influence of a lie from the enemy. Amen? If you are reading your word with Holy Spirit, there is not a place that God gives you permission to be hopeless about anything. Amen. So if you are overcome with depression, if you are overcome with hopelessness about any situation, there is a lie in there somewhere. So whenever you're struggling, whenever it's like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? How come I can't get out of this binge watching TV cycle? Or why can't I break out of this addiction? Or why is it that I've just felt heavy for the last three months or whatever the thing is? You can go and you can ask the Lord, Lord, what lies am I believing? And what truth do you want me to believe? Amen. And you start to uproot the weeds that the enemy plants so that you can focus on the faith that is already there. 
Does this make sense? I'm telling you this is a very empowering truth because there's a lot of people that will tell you, I just don't have faith for that. Yes, you do. There's all these other weeds around it that are choking it out, but God did give you the faith for that. Amen. You already have what you need. Amen. So what lies are we believing? Okay. So the carnal mind versus the spirit is the battle. The carnal mind doesn't mean that you're evil. The carnal mind is dominated by your five senses. Okay. Romans 8, 6 through 8 says, For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace, because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. Someone say hostile towards God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. So the mind set on the flesh is hostile to the things of the spirit. It is not neutral. If you spend all your life judging how life goes based on what you call reality in your five senses, you are ignoring the things of the spirit. Okay? That is not a victorious life. That is not the spirit-filled, you know, Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. He's living there for a reason. Does this make sense? It's for supernatural reasons. Amen? Supernatural. So not everything is going to fit in the box of what my five senses tell me. So in other words, if you have your mind set on your flesh and you are facing a disease or some type of health challenge and you set your mind on the flesh, you will be discouraged. You will wait for your flesh to move. You will wait for the disease to be gone in order to believe, but that is not how faith works. And I'm here to tell you, you already have the faith that you need to work. Does this make sense? So you have to believe that God said that he heals every kind of sickness and every kind of disease. And when you receive that truth, you receive that truth despite what you feel, despite what you see, despite what you hear, despite what your body would tell you. But when you cling on to that truth and you cling on to that faith, you will see the things move. Does this make sense? But you believe first and then you see it. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? Amen? I can tell you with the heart condition that I got healed from, I've, I've shared the testimony many times. I had an instant miracle. I was bedridden, really, really bad heart condition. I was like saying goodbye to my kids. It was, it was a very, very difficult time. And um, bedridden, can't get out of bed, hopeless, powerless situation, right? I got an instant miracle. I was healed for about a week, and then the enemy tried to bring it back. And then that was the fight of faith that lasted a little bit longer, and then it was gone. But I can tell you, the moment that I received my healing, okay, I was at the Orpheum Theater. I was asked to lead worship for something. I was like, I don't know what my heart is going to do. This is crazy. If I were to go by my five senses, I would have turned it down. But I felt the Spirit of God telling me to go ahead and lead worship there. Does this make sense? I went and led worship there, and there was this victorious moment where Holy Spirit showed up so strong for me, and I can't tell you how I know this, but I know that night I crossed over and I received my healing, okay? My heart still did its thing. The next day, my heart still did its thing. For two months, my heart still did its thing. It was still freaking out. I still had to ride the scooter at the grocery store. I had to sit down every few minutes because my heart would do the thing. But I knew that I was already healed. And I was also walking with great people of faith that would confirm that for me over and over again, would prophesy that over me. I know you crossed over that night. You received that healing. Amen? Guess what? One day, my heart stopped doing the thing. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. The manifestation of what I already received finally happened. Does this make sense? And then the next day, it didn't happen. The next day, it didn't happen. And I stopped counting after 30 days. I was just like, I'm, I'm healed. It's done. It's over. Amen? So I'm telling you, you have to receive it by faith no matter what your five senses tell you. Okay? Now, people will tell you, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's dumb. Your heart's still doing the thing. You're not healed, right? Did you know that spiritual intelligence far outweighs natural intelligence? Amen. How dumb did Noah look building an ark? <laughs> How dumb did he look building an ark? 
okay? Supernatural, spiritual intelligence from Holy Spirit far, far, far outweighs natural intelligence. And oftentimes fear masquerades as wisdom. But fear is from the enemy. Amen? Okay. So the carnal mind is hostile to the things of the spirit. It is hostile towards God. It is not neutral. So we do not want to live in the space where we are honoring our five senses over the truth of God. Amen? Okay. Here's a quote from Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson said it, so don't get mad at me. Send letters to him. But here's a quote um, that I heard him say, okay? People tell me, I have an intellectual bent. Oh, you have an unbelieving bent. God is quite smart, and it does not affect his faith. If my intellect is affecting my faith, then I know the wrong things. If my intellect is affecting my faith, then I know the wrong things. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I know the wrong things. I fill my garden with seeds that compete with what God is saying, and they compete with my destiny. Amen? True faith gives you access to the greatest point of intelligence. True faith gives you access to the greatest point of intelligence. Um, There was a time that um, I had kidney stones. And um, this was after my heart condition, so I'm like, this is going to be easy for God. You know, I was bedridden, and now this is just a kidney stone. This is no problem. So we just prayed and believed and confessed, and um, we had people pray at the church. We had the elders come and anoint me with oil and all the things, and um, there would be temporary relief and stuff. I was able to preach at a conference that I was supposed to preach at, but then the pain would come back, and it was incessant, and it lasted over a year. And I'm sitting there praying and believing and confessing. And of course, my brother had kidney stones and someone prayed for him over the phone and they were immediately pulverized. And I'm like, that's awesome for him. What's going on with my kidney stones? Like, God, you've already healed me. Why is this happening? Why is it not moving? What is going on? Okay. And so this went on for a year. And it's like, for any of you that have ever had kidney stones, it's really debilitating. I've had five children and it rivals childbirth. It's not the same, it's not, I wouldn't say as high, but it's pretty bad. Um, you can't move, you're sweating, you're nauseous, it's just horrible, okay? And so I finally went to the doctor again and just like, okay, this, this has been going on a long time. And they're like, you know what, this thing is so big that it's not going to pass. It can't, it's probably huge or whatever. And so we're going to have to do this procedure. And I won't describe the procedure to you, but it sounded like medieval torture. I can't believe that this is actually a thing that still exists. It's like, it's, oh, I won't even say it. There's a whole process where it's like, you got to go back and have them, yeah, it's really, really, really bad. And I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm going to have to think about that one. I don't think I'm ready to sign up for that. The doctor is like, if you don't do this, you are stupid because it is not going to pass. And I'm like, you know what? Um, thank you for the advice, but I'm going to take it and I'm going to go pray on it. By the way, that's also what the heart person told me. Just like, if you don't follow our medical advice and if you don't get this procedure done, which, by the way, you might end up with a pacemaker, which, by the way, is 70%. It's not going to do anything for you. Um, then you're stupid. We're going to have to write you off. That's what was told to me. And I was like, let me, let me get a chance to operate in faith, okay? So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to pray and see what God has. And so I had a dream, and in the dream, just over and over and over and over, the scripture is Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Over and over and over in my dreams. Is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? And so I wake up and I'm like, Lord, I know that your word can break the rock in pieces, but it's not breaking. Like, what is going on? So I'm confessing that scripture over and over again. And at this point, there's not another hope in doctors other than that horrible procedure. So I'm like, okay, well, it sounds like the Lord is talking about something other than that procedure. Let me just just do some research. I went on Amazon and I looked up what are some herbal remedies for kidney stones. And one of the first things that came up was a pill bottle and it had a picture of a hammer breaking a rock. (laughs) (laughs) It's called chance piedra. It's literally that that is translated to mean stone breaker. 
And it's an herbal supplement that I found. I looked up the reviews, and the reviews are like, this is a miracle. People got to know about this. I took this for one day. I took this for two days, and my stone passed, and it had been in there for two years, and da-da-da-da-da. So I'm like, well, what's it going to hurt, right? So I'm like, it's like 30 bucks or something. It's going to be here the next day on Amazon. So I buy it. I start taking it. You're supposed to do double doses for the first couple days. Day two, it passed. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, let's give God glory. God uses many things. God uses many things. Not everything has to come the way we think it does, right? Was this supernatural? A hundred percent. This is not less of a miracle from God. I was led by his voice and by his spirit. Amen. And I've never had troubles with that again. And he wanted to show me this, this remedy this way. I don't even fully know why, okay? Um, but that's, that's where I'm telling you that the spiritual wisdom is higher than the intelligence of the carnal world. Does this make sense? I am so glad that I didn't have to go through that procedure and all the mess that comes with it and going back and, you know, that would have not been very fun. But if we walk by the Spirit, we're going to be led into the victorious things of the Lord where it's actually smarter than natural wisdom. Does this make sense? Amen? I believe the most brilliant ideas are going to come out of faith. The most brilliant ideas are going to come out of faith. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Jesus. He's looking for a people that will hold fast to what he has said, regardless of circumstances, regardless of our five senses, okay? It's not mental strength that enables you to walk in faith. It's the Spirit of God that enables you to do that. It's not our discipline. It's not our vows. It's not our willpower. It is the grace of God. Amen? It is always going to be you coming to the Lord in receive mode. God, what are you saying? This is not going to be me coming to the Lord and bringing my works and bringing my striving. God, what is your word over this situation? He says, my word is, isn't my word like a hammer that breaks the rock. Just trust me. You'll know when you see it. Amen. You come to the Lord receiving. Someone say receive. receive. Thank you, Jesus. So how do we increase our focus on faith? Who has your focus? Jesus. Who has your focus? The world. Who has your focus? Yourself. If we get our focus on ourselves, we're going to be discouraged real quick. Amen? Amen. All right. We're going to read Matthew 17, verses 14 to 19. If you have your Bibles or if you have your Bible app or whatever, turn to Matthew 17, verses 14 to 19. And I'm reading in the New King James Version. And when they had come to the multitude... Oh, let me give you a second. Turn. Oh, I hear pages turning. I love hearing pages turn. Matthew 17, 14 to 19. All right. Everybody there? And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, him being Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? Okay. Now I'm going to go, I'm going to back up there because this translation says, O oh, faithless. If you go back and look at the Greek, it says, O oh, unbelieving, unbelieving and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Sorry, we're going a little farther. Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Someone say, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Okay? Now, in that same account in Mark, the boy's father says, if you can do anything, Jesus, please have compassion on us. And Jesus says, if... If you, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. 
And the father says, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. Okay? So, in this scripture, many people have read this text, me included, and have taken this to mean that there is a category of demon that is so big and so powerful that you actually cannot cast it out unless you pray enough and unless you fast enough, and that means that you can cast that thing out. So then we go and look at the scripture and like, okay, what kind of demon is it that is so powerful? Is it the seizure demon? Is it the epilepsy demon? Is it the deaf and mute demon? Is it the fact that it's a stronghold and a foothold because it had been there since the, the man was a child? And so we start developing this theology that somehow I have to work and earn and strive to cast a demon out, okay? Now, I'm going to submit this to you for you to pray and take to Holy Spirit. But the disciples asked Jesus, what is the problem? Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus tells them point blank. He says, it's because of your unbelief. Now, some translations say it's because of your little faith, but that is a different word. There is a word for faith, and there is a word for unbelief. Faith is a noun. Unbelief is a noun. And I'm here to submit to you that you can have both happening at the same time, just like the Father. Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. You can have faith given to you in your garden, but you have all these weeds of unbelief, all these lies from the enemy that you have to pull out so that you can focus on the faith that you already have. Does this make sense? I'm here to submit to you that if that was about the size of their faith, that they had a little faith, then why does he say, if you have faith even as small as a mustard seed, then you can cast a mountain into the sea? He's saying with a mustard seed, the size of your faith does not matter. It's that there is a presence of unbelief. And this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I'm submitting this to you, okay? Because that would take the striving and earning out of casting a demon out. Because Jesus had already given the disciples power and authority over all the power of the enemy. He had already given the authority and the power, and he didn't warn them, oh, but by the way, there are some really tough ones. You're going to have to pray really hard, and you're going to have to fast to get that one to come out. No, he already gave them power and authority over all of the power of the enemy. What gives them that power and authority? Only the blood of Jesus. Only the blood of Jesus. Okay. So what he says, your problem is, is that there's a presence of unbelief. The unbelief comes out by prayer and fasting. Why is the unbelief there? Because of our carnal mind. Because we're looking through our five senses. Can you imagine what that demoniac looked like throwing this kid into the fire and into the water and trying to drown him? He's foaming at the mouth. He's like making these crazy noises. It was a feast for your five senses. Does this make sense? So if you enter into your carnal mind and there's a presence of unbelief, you're going to have a hard time casting that demon out because you are looking at your own five senses. You're looking at yourself. So fasting denies your carnal flesh, builds faith, uproots unbelief so that you can cast that demon out by the power of God. Does this make sense? Amen? So I'm here to tell you fasting and prayer is awesome. Like, we should do it. <laughs> That's a good idea, to pray and to fast. But it's not to pray and to fast to get a demon to move. It's not to pray and to fast to get God to move or to try to convince God of something. It's to get you to shift. It's to get you off of the flesh. It's to deny your flesh and let yourself be hungry or whatever the thing is. Fast social media, fast movies and TV or whatever the thing is. Does this make sense? If you deny your flesh, you start training your body. Hey, there is more than just this natural realm. Respond to the spirit. Amen? Amen. Otherwise, demons are going to start, start trying to convince you that they're not going to move because you didn't pray enough. We don't even know which one. Amen? So if a demon's being particularly stubborn and you have this belief that somehow I didn't pray enough or maybe I didn't starve enough, I'm telling you, if you do that out of religion and trying to earn something, you're just going to get hungry. Amen? 
If you do it to deny your flesh and come closer to the truth of God that exists in the spirit, it's going to be amazingly fruitful. Amen? Hallelujah. (laughs) All right. Unbelief is the problem. Someone say unbelief is the problem. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. All right. The just shall live by faith. They shall live by faith. Not just vacation there. Not just go there two hours on a Sunday, once a week. This is where they live. We need to live by faith, and you'll have a victorious life. Amen? Hallelujah. We feast on unbelief, and we wonder why we have a hard time staying in peace. We feast on false prophecy. Some people call it the news. (laughs) We feast on depressing movies and, you know, horror and murder and adultery and lying and stealing and, you know, people being horrible and gossip. And we feast on unbelief and we think it's not going to have an effect, right? But I I, I need to weed my garden, amen? I need to weed my garden so that I can keep my mind fixed on the Lord so that I can have perfect peace. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) You don't need any more faith than what you received at salvation already. Okay? So we're going to do um, an illustrated sermon. Um, We're going to do like a little illustration. And if I could have a volunteer, oh, I don't know, how about Ryan? And <laughs> I don't know why the Lord showed me your face. All right. So Ryan comes to faith in Christ and he receives faith and it's this seed and look at how beautiful it grows into this awesome plant, okay? Now, he's going to hold his arms. His arms are going to represent our garden. Does this make sense? So, this is faith that he's already been given, okay? Let's say, for example, let's use something specific. Let's say Ryan has a health issue, okay? He goes to the Lord, and he's like, God, what do you say about this health issue? I don't know what's going on. He goes and reads the word, and the word says that Jesus healed every kind of sickness and every kind of disease. So, it's like, here you go, Ryan. Here's your word of faith that Jesus heals every kind of sickness and every kind of disease. So then what happens? What does the enemy sow? Yeah, but does he do this for you? I saw what you did last week, and you don't deserve healing, right? What else, what else would the enemy lie to you? What's another weed? It's for other people. People who have great faith, you don't have enough faith for this, right? Somehow you're bad, you've sinned too much, okay? Um, sometimes you just look at your body and it's like, okay, I believe this, but my body's in pain. So here's the weed that's just like, I'm in pain, I'm in pain, I'm in pain, I'm in pain. And this is existing at the same time as this. It's like, which one is true? Because my body is still doing the thing. Does this make sense? Okay. And then (laughs) the gifts have ceased for today and this overshadows, sorry, Brian. This starts overshadowing the sun of the word, and you get wrong teaching, okay? (laughs) Can I just tell you, like, I'm going to refute every scripture that says that the gifts have ceased for today. Every single scripture. Here they are. Every single, I'm going to, oh, wait, there's nothing on this page. There is not a single scripture that says the gifts have ceased for today. I defy you to find one. Amen? Okay, so what happens is we actually have faith, but we have all of these roots and weeds of unbelief and the cares of this world and our fears. What if God doesn't love me enough to heal me, right? So we can't find our faith and we're not operating in it. And now we're choosing between the carnal mind and the things of the spirit. Does this make sense? Okay, so then we, what we need to do is we need to ask God, what lie am I believing What lie am I believing? How do I address this lie? Does this make sense? Okay. So I'm going to remove these from you, and you're going to stand in for me again. 
You make such a good prop, Ryan. <laughs> okay. So, this is what happens, okay? We get a word from the Lord, okay? That the word could be salvation. The word could be about finances. The word could be about healing. The word could be about your destiny and your calling, okay? But God gave me, so Ryan is me, okay? God gave me a word a long time ago after the heart healing, and he said, I have called you to awaken life in my church and to awaken life in my people. Now, what was really special about that is um, back when I was 25 years old, um, and I knew nothing, hadn't even read my Bible yet, um, a lady prophesied over me at this event, and um, she's like, okay, God is calling you out of, I was a teacher at the time, God is calling you out of teaching and into full-time ministry, and you're going to go through a boiling time, but after that boiling time is done, your ministry is going to be healing, 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 and glory, glory, glory. Now, that was long before I ever needed healing. That was long before the heart condition even happened. And I was like, okay, Lord, I received that word, and I didn't really know what it meant. I didn't know what boiling meant. I didn't know how long the boiling was going to go on for, but uh, that word definitely proved out to be true. So after the heart condition, and we had started the church, we'd gone through a really difficult time. We laid the church on the altar, and we're just like, okay, Lord, if, if it's you, we want to do this. If not, I'd rather go work at Burger King because, the, you know, no one wants to pastor unless God's calling you to do it. And it was at that moment that God started giving us dreams that the building is actually too small. Actually, he's showing us a packed out place and people falling out in the spirit and encountering God and asking, how do I get saved? And those were the dreams that God was giving us, okay? At the same time, I opened up an old journal from years and years and years prior, and the word written in there is, I have called you, Joy, to awaken life in God's church. And then two little notes fell out, and it was um, for Daniel from another person that gave him a word saying, I have called you to awaken life in my people. That was long before we ever came up with the church name, and it was a confirmation. Hey, Awaken Life Church was actually my idea God was saying to us. Does this make sense? So here is the word from God. I have called you to pastor Awaken Life Church and to start this church, okay? And I've called you to a healing ministry, okay? So then what happens is people came against us and started criticizing and started saying, you know what, a healing church doesn't work. You know what, your church is never going to grow if you talk about healing, okay? Like people that we were seeking for mentorship, okay? Uh, we had hard times happen financially. It's like, wow, the finances are really tough. It's like, oh my gosh, like this doesn't actually look like you're actually supporting us. Like what, what is happening right now, okay? Um, whoops. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of people came against us and started calling people and asking them to leave the church and just for ridiculous reasons, you know, going on. And then what happened is um, we were actually under some spiritual covering at the time that was really unhealthy um, and that was um, under the law and not under grace. And we didn't fully realize it at the time, but it was a very spiritually abusive environment. Okay, and um, I say that with love and forgiveness because a lot of us have been in that place, like under the law and stuff like that. So what had happened during that season is I actually had two miscarriages in a row, and um, it was really hard. Like the the first one, we have five kids. You know, we're very very blessed. Um, by the way, telling someone you already have these number of kids is not a comfort. You know, when you're going through something like that, and uh, we had three kids at the time. We had a miscarriage, and it was like, oh, man, that was really painful. But within a year, we'd had another one. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, that's not been an issue before. And so we went to the people that were spiritually overseeing us at the time, and I was just like, hey, can you pray with us? Like, what is going on? Why is this happening? And so they went, and they prayed, and they came back to us. And um, there, were, there was a lot of other volatile things going on at the same time. And they said, hey, so what God is saying is that because you have sin in your life, um, he's, he's taken your babies. And because you're pastoring, um, you're held to a higher standard. And you have to be really, really careful when you're pastoring and when you're teaching because you're held to a higher standard. Okay? So 
the, the remedy is you need to start praying two hours in the morning and two hours at night every single day and ask God to show you where the sin is. Ask if their sin is in your husband's life or in your life, but that sin is somewhere and that's why the babies keep dying. And so we had, um, we had been under this long enough um, that that sounded true to us. You know, I had taught grace before that, that situation, um, but I was like, okay, well, maybe because we're pastoring, because we're leading people, we're held to a higher standard. So we actually did it. We started praying two hours in the morning started praying two hours every night, God, where's the sin? God, would you please show us, like, where is it that we're missing it? And then, of course, it's suspicion. Maybe Daniel's got sin going on. Maybe I've got sin going on that he doesn't know about. And we just started seeking God and seeking God and seeking God. And in that process, I found myself not able to pray anymore. I couldn't hear God's voice anymore. I couldn't worship anymore. And my heart just grew colder and colder and colder because I'm like, why are you taking my babies and not showing me why? Like, what is going on? And there was nothing happening. Like, we were, we were examining our lives and just, like, we had no hidden sin. There wasn't something, you know, going on in, in that kind of way, okay? And so, during that time, um, the, they actually made an ultimatum. Um, hey, if uh, we're actually leaving the state, um, if you want us to still be your spiritual leaders, we're going to control the church from this other state, and um, you need to obey us as if we're the voice of Jesus, um, to be clear, if we ask you not to worship for a year, that means that you will not worship for a year. Um, and if you're not willing to be under our leadership like this, then have a nice life and there will be no connection whatsoever. And that was actually a tough decision for us at the time because we'd been under that for so long and because, oh my gosh, we, we had seen the healings and stuff like that. That was another caveat. If you come out from under our leadership, you will not experience healing anymore. You will not experience like being able to see the sick healed. And this, this was the toxicity of what was happening. Now, how many of you know that the word of God doesn't change and isn't judged by what people do with it? Right. Amen? The seed is the same. It's the soil that matters. Does this make sense? Yeah. Okay. God is not on trial by what we do. Okay. We, we are. <laughs> Does this make sense? So, um, you know, that was actually a tough decision. Thankfully, we had different people outside of this group of people that we could lean on and ask for prayer and stuff. Um, one of those was a healing evangelist from Canada named Reverend Harold Chamberlain. Um, for those that knew him, he's gone on to be with the Lord now. And uh, we had sought him about it, and he shared some wisdom and stuff. And um, one night, I was describing the situation to, actually, to Alicia. And I was sharing with her, hey, we're actually going to come out from under this covering. I just want you to prepare your heart. This is what's being said. Um, and I actually can't teach this to people. Like, I actually can't go and tell some mama that just lost her baby that somehow she did something wrong, and that's why. I'm like, I know that that's not true, so I cannot teach this. We're going to have to come out from under this covering. And as I said it, this thought came up right back here. It's like I could tangibly feel it. It said, what if you're wrong? What if you are wrong about that and you lead people astray? What if... You are held to a higher standard because you're a pastor and a leader, and that is why your babies died. At that moment, Daniel's phone rang, and it was Reverend Harold Chamberlain, and he got on the phone, and he said, it is one o'clock in the morning, Canada time. God woke me up out of a dead sleep to tell you, you are not under law, but you are under grace. Who has bewitched you, you foolish Galatians? That you started out in the spirit and you continued thinking that you would be righted in the flesh. And then he said, the blessings are about to overtake you. That is the truth. Not curses, but blessings are about to overtake you. And I'm telling you, at that moment, this weed was pulled out and a demon flew off of me. And that demon was called condemnation. And I'm telling you, that is when it got solidified in my heart, in my soul, in my gut, in the core of my being, that grace really is the thing, amen, that we are not under the law, but we are under grace. Amen. Hallelujah. And so then we get to operate in the seed of faith that God gave us. Does this make sense? It's like, man, the things that we're called to, all that we have to do is obey, all we have to do is obey. God says, I've called you to start this church. All we have to do is obey and withstand. 
obey and withstand. And then your faith gets to grow as you watch God be true to his word. Amen? The game is just to not be pulled by these different things and to be sucked in by the lies. Does this make sense? God is so good. Can we give God glory? He's so, so, so good. He is so kind. Amen? The faith came from him. The faith came from him. I cannot take credit that I even have that revelation because he gave it to me through a prophetic word. Amen? I can't take credit for the faith I have for healing because he healed me when I had no faith. Amen? He is always our supplier. We always get to come back. And so it's like, okay, so I have a word from the Lord. I'm just going to obey. And you know what? It doesn't matter what the finances are doing. And it doesn't matter what people come against us. And it doesn't matter whatever the, the, the five senses tell us. I'm going to believe what God said is true. Amen? Because he gave me this. And all I have to do is, is have stick-to-itiveness in what he said to do. Amen? All I have to do is not give up. Amen? That's all we have to do. It's simple. It's not easy. But it is very simple. You obey him. And as you obey him and you watch his faithfulness, guess what? That grows. And it grows. And that mustard seed, mustard seed grows into a 30-foot tall mustard tree. And then it houses other people. Does this make sense? God is so good. Amen. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm telling you, if you're walking through dark times, if you're walking through times where you're doubting and you're questioning, go to your supplier. Go to him. God, I have faith, but help me with my unbelief. Amen. God, give me the faith for this. Would you give me the grace for this? You're always coming to him and asking him and receiving. You're never trying to come to him and muster something for him. Does this make sense? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you so much for who you are. We give you glory and honor and praise. God, you are so good. You are so amazing. You are so loving. I thank you, Lord, for setting me straight. Lord, I thank you, God, that even, even the words of that song are true. There's no lie that you won't kick down. No, you know, you're going to come in and you're going to get rid of the lies. You're going to show us. You're going to lead us. You're going to guide us. Lord, if we set our face and our lives towards you, Lord Jesus, you are so faithful. Lord, you're the one that called us and you're faithful to produce the thing. You're, you're, you're faithful to finish the thing. God, we just thank you so much for it, Lord. And I pray for every single person in this room that has been tempted to quit, that has been tempted to give up. I don't know if it's a marriage thing. I don't know if it's a finance thing, if it's a calling thing. Just even ask Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, would you just show people? There is something that the enemy has been working really hard to try to abort in your life. And it's not God. It is not the voice of God to tell you to give up on a word that he gave you. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. He does not change his mind. The gifts and the calling are always going to be there. There's different assignments that shift and change, but the gifts and the calling are already there. So we just come against right now the spirit of abortion right now in Jesus' name. We come against that right now, and I just declare that faith is rising up, Lord, that, Lord, you're not, <laughs> you're helping us, Lord, to focus, Lord Jesus, that the problem is not faith, the problem is focus. Help us to focus on the faith that you've already given us, Lord, and we just thank you so much for it, Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.